You're listening to another sermon by Pastor Michael Zapata from the Potter's House Christian Church. The book of Matthew chapter 4, we're going to be reading from verse 1 through to 11. Hallelujah. Pleading for God to help us. I want to preach to you a sermon entitled, Close to Christ. Close to Christ. Out of the book of Matthew chapter 4. Read along with me. The Bible says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, sorry, command these stones to become bread. And he answered him and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on a pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. And again the devil took took him up an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to them, All these things I will give you uh, if you fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God. And him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, uh, angels came and ministered to him. Close to Christ, uh, I pray that during these times of isolation, uh, we would not draw away from Christ, but draw closer to him. And so I want to quickly look at a few things tonight. Number one, being led by the Spirit. Number two, what it produces And number three, achieving the impossible. But firstly, let's focus on being led by the Spirit. Now, there are times in our Christian walk that we get caught up with everything around us that we forget how spiritual our Christian walk actually really is. We get swept up by our emotions. It was uh, our Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, that went on and began to say, uh, stop it. If you're the one that's buying all the toilet paper, stop it. If you're the one that's out there buying too much food, stop it. And he continued to challenge people about their response in this pandemic uh, because he recognized it was an emotional response. The truth is we can all be swept up by our emotions, distracted also by what we see, following the trends, following what others are saying, what others are doing, uh, instead of actually looking for ourselves and researching things. uh, And this can bleed into our own Christian life. How many know that our Christian walk isn't based on emotions? It's not based purely on what we see. uh, There is a spiritual dimension that you and I many times can forsake, overlook, and uh, uh, not consider correctly. But what we see from the beginning of our text is Jesus being tested in the wilderness, but he was led by the Spirit into that temptation. 
In other words, it was the orchestration of God. It was His timing. It was right for Jesus to have to go through this circumstance. There was no avoiding it. There was no, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, just skip it and try to uh, let's set this up for another day. Jesus had to experience this. And can I just say, there are certain things in life as Christians that we cannot avoid. Testings, trials, where we would rather gather and, and you know, get the wings of a dove and fly away. The truth is, is that these are orchestrated by God for a reason. Consider the biblical examples. Joseph, after receiving a dream from God that they would bow down to him and worship him, he was cast into a pit, sold into slavery, and then later again thrown into prison, all before accomplishing or seeing the vision and the dream that God had given him. David, who was anointed as king from a young age to step into the role as the governing authority of God's people, was anointed by the priest, yet spent a lengthy amount of time running for his life, fleeing from the threats of King Saul, living in caves with a bunch of rejects. There are some things we can't escape. There are some things that God orchestrates for us to go through and it is our responsibility to understand the spiritual aspect of the test that we may be facing. These tests that we face are teachable moments. Can anybody say amen? It's these moments that we learn. We grow in understanding, in wisdom, we are tried by fire, but being led by the Spirit, though it may take me to the valleys, though it may take me through the fire, I know that being led by the Spirit will get me through that trial and come out refined by, uh, by the Spirit of God. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He was led. And there are certain things that if we are going to understand the power of longevity in our salvation, it will take you through trials. It will cause you to face some of the most incredible things that maybe you thought you are incapable of facing. Yet if you are led by the Spirit, know that God will get you through it. We must be willing to submit to this reality, knowing that God is taking us somewhere that maybe we know not of, but ultimately will make us into the people He desires us to be. So let's look secondly at what it produces. Because we like to believe that the moment we're saved, uh, everything is hunky-dory. How many wouldn't love, wouldn't it just be wonderful? You get saved, you're filled with the Spirit, you're speaking in tongues, you get water baptized. All these wonderful experiences happen one after the other. You get a job, you get delivered, you get set free, you get money in the bank, savings. All these wonderful things happen. But the truth is, it's not always going to be a walk in the park. It's not just 
uh, one prayer and everything now is answered. I mean, the equivalent would be like going to Woolworths, searching the aisles for freshly cooked scrambled eggs with sausages, bacon and two pieces of toast. When in reality, all they provide for you is the ingredients to make that happen. We have to understand salvation has been obtained, but there are other things that the scriptures highlight. It is for us to apply and strive to achieve in order for them to come into fruition. Consider 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5 through 8, but also this very reason, give diligence, add to your faith, virtue, to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here is Peter, who is highlighting that there is something lacking in our faith that we need to add to it in order to be able to see, uh, 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 you know, uh, what God ultimately has for us. It's not just one prayer and it's all accomplished. There are other trials, there are other uh, testings and teachable moments that we will have to face, uh, endure, uh, persevere through, uh, and add to our faith, uh, faith uh, what God is trying to do. And what we tend to read over uh, are the very ingredients that we need uh, to add uh, in order to be able to face real trials and temptations and come out of them victoriously. If we look at our text, here is Jesus Christ. The first of these was a willingness to be alone with God. Now, over this period of time of, uh, uh, you know, being in this pandemic with the coronavirus, now we are getting to a place where we could potentially be isolated in our homes for a duration of time. Can I ask you, are you ready for that? Are you prepared for that? Are you going to be okay? Because notice how Jesus is led into the wilderness, isolated, alone, but he wanted to be with God. And so here is the children of God in the Old Testament. The Bible says, uh, living in Egypt, disconnected uh, from their heavenly father. Uh, and the primary reason for them leaving Egypt and traveling into the wilderness was so that they would be free to worship their one true God. They, want, they needed to be removed from the hustle and bustle of Egypt. They needed to be removed from the false gods, from the false teachings, from the distractions, the workload. They had to be removed from all of that so that they could have an encounter with their one true God. It was in the wilderness that God presented to them. Uh, God's presence was with them day and night. Now, I wonder if our prime minister was to call isolation, personal isolation. We know that he's already limiting the amount of time we can spend together. And even now, being in church, uh, you know, th this is something. I, I thank you for, for keeping your distance from one another. But here is this reality. This is our final service in this building until things change. Are you ready for isolation? 
Can you cultivate the presence of God in your own house? Do you have a prayer closet at home? A chair where you talk with God? An area where you can go to in order to spend time with God during times of isolation? Jesus wasn't afraid of having to be isolated. Number two, another key ingredient in order to become victorious over every trial and temptation is a willingness to go without. It's deprivation. Here is Jesus. He has been fasting for 40 days. Now, the moment I mention fasting, immediately we think, not another fast. But how many of us love it when you get into your car You turn the ignition and you realize there is no fuel. How many of us love it when you go to pay and all you want to do is tap and go and it comes back insufficient funds? How many times have you just been absolutely delighted by getting ready for something and yet it's either cancelled, it, it's not functioning, it doesn't work. It, many times we hate it when we have to go without. Can anybody say amen? The possibility of going without haunts us. We don't like it. And that's the same approach we can have when it comes to fasting. That we see it instead of fasting, we see it as starving. But yet what fasting teaches us, so many things, especially about ourselves. We realize how many times we are dependent on food. How many love food? How many love just eating? And just having a good hot meal with some loved ones? You know, when I read about the fact that we can't have friends over or barbecue, I mean, that's insanity. Who would have thought in 2020 the government would be saying no no friends can come over? There's something about being around a nice plate of food, but yet we realize when we are fasting how dependent we are on it. I don't know how many times I've fasted in my Christian walk, but it seems as though every time we have one of our month fasts that my body convulses. It's like, what are you doing? Why are you not eating? And I have to remind my body, I'm fasting today. But it rejects the idea, it doesn't like it, and it shows me how food becomes the source to my strength. And yet here is deprivation that we need to apply to our lives so that we don't allow this world to consume us or us to be consumed by this world. Secondly, we see how fasting teaches us how weak we can become when faced with temptations. I don't know about you, but every time I fast, it seems as though everything reminds me of food. It's like immediately. You just think, hey, let's hang out. And you think, well, we're going to have food. Why hang out without food? 
you see an ad and it's food and you you do everything is food that temptation you smell it you can hear it even the the sound of food is so satisfying but here is this reality that we have to be willing to go without See, it's more than just who you are today, but it's who you will become tomorrow. Pastor Mitchell says Christianity is not about who you are, but what you will become in Jesus Christ. See, when we concern ourselves with God, sorry, with who God wants us to be, our attention and perception changes. James chapter 1, verse 2 and 3, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. See, it's about what it's producing in you. It's about what's coming out. It's about what you will be, not just today, but tomorrow, next month. And if we were to be quarantined for three months, whether we would still come out saved and born again. So I want to look thirdly and in closing at achieving the impossible. Because the hope that we have is that there is nothing our Lord Jesus Christ hasn't already gone through, endured, faced, and overcome it. The good news is that there isn't anything that our Lord hasn't gone through that we are feeling right now. He has been rejected. He has been betrayed. He has been abandoned, isolated. He has faced all these things and emotions that we have felt in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, but yet without sin. Here is this significant, profound reality of our scripture, that Jesus at the weakest part of his life, feeling as though he could probably not go any further. The good news is, is that he did overcome even after being tempted. And we read about that wonderful encounter that the angels came and they ministered to him. In other words, he didn't fall short. He didn't give up. He kept on Uh, serving God and doing what was right and through that came out of it with a fresh encounter with the God that he serves. See, Jesus' reaction is one that we need to mimic in our own personal walk. This time of isolation and separation that we will have from one another is something that many of us will face and could possibly catch us off guard. But number one, we need to know Firstly, the Word of God. This is why we have the Bible. This is why God has given us His Word. But it's not just there to skim over or open up when we come to church. It is so that you could apply these words, memorize them. The psalmist wrote and said, I have hidden your Word in my heart. There's something profound about knowing the Word of God, not just reading it, but knowing it, Jesus also was able to put things in context. If you notice, by the second time where uh, the devil tempts him, uh, he speaks 
the devil uses scripture. He says, you shall give his angels charge over you in their hands. You shall bear, bear you up lest you dash your foot against the stone. And so what we see here is the devil taking scripture out of context in order to be able to tempt Jesus to put his trust in things that are ungodly or are uh, unethical. Here is Jesus putting things back into context. And so your ability to know the Word of God, but also apply it in context, will ultimately help you to overcome every strategy of the devil. How many know you just can't open this Bible up and pick and choose what you want? It's not just, well, I don't like that scripture. I don't want to read that, that uh, passage. Uh, let's skip over that. That's a little too hard hitting. Uh, the truth is your ability to take this word and keep it in context will preserve you through times of temptation. And finally, uh, what Jesus did is he took the word of God and he used it as a weapon. You know, the word of God, the Bible says... Uh, is sharper than any two-edged sword. This word is a weapon. This word in Ephesians 6.17, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. This is a weapon. And when used correctly, it will pierce, it will drive away every thought of doubt and confusion. When you apply it correctly in context, when you begin to know it and study it, it will be the weapon that will protect you against every demonic strategy of the devil. We're not called to reason with him. We're called to use this weapon. We're called to strike the enemy. And I believe this is exactly why Jesus at the weakest point in his life, fasting 40 days, being tempted in isolation, achieved the impossible. He was able to overcome the devil as a man. That's hope for you and I. He was able to come out victorious. And you and I have Jesus in our hearts. We have been given the advantage. 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Don't ever forget the God that we serve. Don't ever forget that He's fighting for you. Don't ever forget why you were saved, why He has brought you into this church. Every moment in the presence of God is time well spent. So take this opportunity. I know that right now these are uncertain times. I know that right now there are people who have lost their jobs. There are people who have been uh, uh, reduced in pay. There is uncertainties in, in every direction that we look. Listen, God has not changed his mind about us. He has not changed his mind about what he can do through your life. All we have to do is allow him to do what he does best. Let's continue to stay focused. Let's continue to serve him in times of isolation, 
and allow Him to uh, and, and draw closer to Him during these times uh, so that we would come out victorious, uh, on fire for God, uh, ready to take on the world for Jesus Christ. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. No one moving around just for a few moments.